Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another exciting night of NBA basketball. With the first pick, the Detroit Pistons select Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State University. Chandler again. Oh, what a block by Max Seal! My goodness! The Pistons are digging in. They got the depth. They got the big men. They got the better basketball team. No doubt about it. There's Jaden playing the passing lane. Sky's a jam. Pistons fans, hello and welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast brought to you by Believe. Aaron Johnson and Jasper Apollonia here with you for this week's show. And Jasper, fall is in the air. That means we are getting close to the start of the NBA season. The doldrums of the offseason are nearing. We are almost back to NBA basketball. How are you doing, my friend? I am just excited because once you feel that fall in the air, once you smell it, you can you just know, okay, that means in a few weeks, even though summer's ending, which for me sucks. I'm a big summer guy, but even though summer's ending, we're getting to that point in the year where basketball's back, and and that that makes fall okay to me. So, how are you, my friend? And and how excited are we to have basketball knocking on the doorstep here soon? Yeah, I'm with you too, man. I I'm a summer guy myself. I'm a I'm a real summer head, if you will. Um, but yeah, totally. I think it's a little chillier out in the Midwest than it is out here because it's uh it's it's still mid high 80s in New York. Um. But yeah, 100%, man, we're getting to that point where basketball is right around the corner. Preseason is going to be, what, two and a half, three weeks away? It's it's around the corner. Or no, no, a little further than that. But uh, it, it's also nice to kind of have a preseason where we're going to be looking at it not from a, a an angle of, um, you know, is the 15th man in this rotation going to be an actual battle that we have to care about? I'm thinking like the, the Christian Wood Joe Johnson battle from a few years ago or where, <laughs> where we were really desperately like, oh my God, we have to watch these preseason games. It's not quite going to be like that, but it still could be interesting uh, because like we've said on this podcast and it does seem from what I'm seeing, like it's picking up a little bit of steam. Uh, there could be a couple guys on this roster right now that aren't on it and even might not be on it after the preseason uh, has concluded. Uh, whether it's via trade or or otherwise so yeah i'm excited man we we have a good podcast for you today but hopefully we'll be talking about actual basketball very very soon no doubt about it we do got a couple good topics to hit on today and i i I definitely want to get right into it but before we do that i do want to talk about this week's sponsor as always it's bet online bet online is your number one source for all of your betting needs 
Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Okay, so I want to move into our first topic of the show today, and it's a topic that is topical right now in the Pistons online community uh, and in the national NBA community. There was uh, some talk about the Pistons using a two-man, two-big lineup next year. It's something that really started last year in the final season of Dwayne Casey's tenure as the team's head coach. But there's a lot of talk with the current roster construction, uh, with the guys on the roster, James Wiseman, Jalen Duran, Isaiah Stewart, Marvin Bagley. Uh, there's a lot of talk about will the Pistons continue to experiment with the too big lineup that is something that the general manager of the team, Troy Weaver, has talked about wanting to have size, wanting to be able to play two bigs together. Uh, you know, talking about teams like Cleveland and Milwaukee and trying to mimic their ability to do so. Jasper, are you expecting the Pistons to continue that experiment? And if if they are, do they have the right personnel to make it work? To to a certain extent, yes. And and by that, I just mean that I look at Isaiah Stewart playing the four as playing a two big lineup. Um, no matter who you're playing at the five. So for me, yes, they will be playing two big lineups um, because Isaiah Stewart is going to be a part of it regardless. And I don't see them giving up on the power forward experiment this early in the season, certainly not as him as like a starting power forward. Um, he's going to get playing time and he's going to get playing time next to Jalen Duran. So in that case, yes. Now, when we're talking about more of like, and I think this is more of what people were talking about on Twitter, uh, the Jalen Duran, James Wiseman thing, that, no, I don't think we're going to see as much of it. I, I do think at the beginning of the season, at least, there is a chance we do see those guys play some minutes together. And while I've not been a fan of it, especially from a defensive standpoint, like there are certain things to like about it offensively in terms of their passing chemistry, um, in, in terms of the, the rebounding when they're on the floor together. It's not the worst thing in the world. That being said, like I don't, I don't think Marvin Bagley should be playing next to really any of those guys. To be honest, like I've seen enough from him to where I don't feel confident in him playing as anything other than the lone big man. Like that's that's what he should be doing. So I think certain two big lineups we will see. Um, I, I think other ones less so, and certain ones not at all. Like I just don't see. Uh, uh, James Wiseman, Marvin Bagley minutes happening this this year. I don't see a large amount of James Wiseman, Jalen Duran minutes happening. I do think they will happen to a certain extent, though. Uh, and one thing I kind of got, you know, pushback on, and, and the reason it was even brought up as a topic at all is because I believe it was, uh, Sam Vicente, um basically tweeted out about how just those lineups don't work, like the Jalen Duran, James Wiseman lineups don't work. And I agreed with that. Uh, which some people seem, you know, and, and it does seem like there are certain Pistons fans that are a fan of those lineups. I'm not. Uh, I had people pushing back on me for that, which is, 
I think, unfortunately, not true. Like, there is still a certain segment of this fan base that does want to see those Duran Wiseman minutes. Uh, one of them, I think, is the GM. So <laughs> we we will, I anticipate, seeing limited numbers of two big lineups next year. So let's take Isaiah Stewart out of the equation because I'm in agreement with you. I, I, I would consider playing Isaiah Stewart at the four alongside, you know, another five, one of those guys. I would consider that a two big lineup. I don't know how everyone else feels, but, you know, Isaiah Stewart has been a five predominantly throughout his NBA career so far. So to me, it still reads as that would be a two big lineup. So in, in, in that regard, I certainly think you will see the Pistons continue to, to experiment and, and try to play with two big lineups. But let's take Stewart out of it. And you look at the rest of the roster, you look at the front court options that Detroit has, and it's James Wiseman, it's Jalen Duran, it's Marvin Bagley. And those three together, there's really no combination of those two play, a combination from that trio of guys that, in my opinion, should ever see the court together. From Sam Vashini's post on Twitter, he shared a stat from last year. The Pistons played 185 minutes with Marvin Bagley and James Wiseman on the court together. They gave up 134.9 points per 100 possessions with that duo on the court. And, you know, this is something that we've kind of talked about. We not kind of, we have talked about before, uh, particularly with, Wiseman and with Bagley dating back to when the Pistons acquired Bagley excuse me when they acquired Wiseman at the deadline last year is those two players are so incredibly similar on both sides of the court so that even if they do have some strengths the deficiencies that they have are only magnified and it makes them untenable together on the court. And so when I look at those two together, in, I, I can't say that there's a world where I want to see them share minutes next year on the court. And as good as I think Jalen Dern was last year, he still has some significant deficiencies himself that he has to develop through. And it's not going to allow him to get better if he's on the court with someone like Wiseman or Bagley, who's taking up his space inside and not helping them defensively, putting more pressure on Durant to protect the inside, and things of that nature. The problem is, outside of those three guys, and, and throw in Stewart there as well, the front court options for Detroit are not are not massive. It's Isaiah Livers, and it's Boyan Bogdanovich. We've talked before about how Bogdanovich is really not best suited to play heavy minutes at the four spot, if at all. And as much as we would like to believe in Isaiah Livers, he's kind of got to show it this year before you can believe in him. And, and that's just because he hasn't been able to stay on the floor. So you really can't count on him to be ready to play big minutes for you until he shows you he can do it. I think we are trending in a direction where we're going to see a decent dose of two big lineups uh, unless Monty Williams during the, you know, interview process came in and was like, Hey, you know, looking at my philosophy, this will not work for what I want to do. And I know you guys have talked about it in the past about wanting to do it. 
but I, I won't I won't be doing this. I don't want to do it if that's a point of contention and you know maybe I'm not the right coach. But I don't think that was the case because we did see Wiseman and Duran play together last year on the court. We did see them play together on the court in summer league. So I feel like it kind of would have been nipped in the bud there. I think we're going to see it. And I think it's because of the roster construction. I think it's because of that's part of what Troy Weaver wants to do with his team. And I don't necessarily love it. <laughs> I, I think Duran and Stewart could work. I think, you know, there's an outside chance if you can get one of Wiseman and Bagley to work with Stewart. But any combination of Duran, Wiseman, Bagley does, doesn't, give me confidence uh, i don't have confidence in the in a duo of, of those three working so it's i think it's gonna happen but I, I i don't love it i just don't think there's enough options for detroit to go elsewhere uh to the point where they don't need to run two big lineups yeah and it's also just it's hard to really explain statistically why the two big lineups don't necessarily work and the reason for that is just that, like, the Pistons have been so bad overall. Um, and, you know, and you can make your caveats, too, when it comes to, like, sample size. But here's how it is. Like, uh, the Jalen, Duran, James Wiseman, the 60 minutes they played together last year, net rating of negative 26. Jalen Duran playing next to uh, Isaiah Stewart, negative, you know, net rating of negative 12.7. But then again, it's hard to look at that because you also see Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran have a negative 14.4 net rating together in two-man lineups. So it's just difficult to kind of parse through, you know, what's noise, what's sample size, what is just the reality of the roster and the fact that they were just a bad team last year and nobody really had good minutes together. Because you can also look at the other hand, you know, Jalen Duran playing with Marvin Bagley, that was only negative 1.7. And actually last year, James Wiseman and Isaiah Stewart, that was one of the few positive lineups where Wiseman was in. They were they were plus 3.7, albeit in, you know, 27 minutes total. And on the other hand of the spectrum, you have him with Bagley, where it's, like you said, a, a 132 defensive rating. So it does seem like there are, if you do put Stewart into the mix, possibly some lineups that could work. But I think you're right. Like, the the reality of the roster dictates that they're going to have to play some of these two-man lineups. And uh, unfortunately, it's it's hard to tell outside of what your personal eye test wants you to see exactly which ones will and won't work. Me personally, I just have a very hard time seeing any of those lineups that don't include an Isaiah Stewart that can actually shoot well from outside being successful next year. I, I just think that's where the Pistons are at right now um, because the rest of the front court doesn't really have the ability to pick up the slack. Like I really, I love Boyan Bogdanovich, but there's still limitations there. And, and with Cade and Jaden Ivey, um, I, I think you have to really look at how they're able to space the floor, especially since while we're both like, I think we both are, in agreement that we have a lot of um, positivity around their three-point shooting moving forward, but they haven't proven it. Neither guy has at the NBA level so far. And in order for them to do that, they're going to need spacing around them. So it's a tricky dance the Pistons are are in the middle of right now. Um, it's going to come down to Monty Williams. Like, 
figuring out one, do any of these two big lineups work? And two, if any of them do, which are the ones that you can trust to play big minutes? Yeah, I I think you're right. I think you're spot on. Um, I'm actually surprised by how many people today were not in agreement on Twitter. And I get it's Twitter. You know, people are going to have their different opinions, obviously, but it just doesn't seem realistic for this to actually work out long-term with a combination of Wiseman and Durin or Wiseman and Bagley. It's, I just don't think it's realistic. I, there are teams that can do it because they have the right personnel. Um, it's easier to make someone, two guys like Evan Mobley and Jarrett Allen gel because they have different offensive skill sets. Uh, Mobley uh, is an incredible defender as is Allen, but Mobley can go out on the perimeter and do more with his length and his speed compared to, you know, guys like Wiseman and Bagley who are incredibly deficient defensively and Duran who, you know, who may be solid protecting the rim, but let's not act like he's some proven perimeter defender switchable big right now either yet. So yeah, it's just a personnel difference uh, that I think, you know, it, it, it's not the concept that's necessarily terrible. It, it could work, but you just have to have the right players for it. And I just don't think this is the, the right grouping for Detroit to really make that work. But Aaron, are we in agreement that if Isaiah Stewart can transition his offensive game to one that's more perimeter oriented, and, and by that I mean not just shooting threes at a decent clip, but, but also hitting mid-range shots, um, somewhat consistently while also maintaining his ability to rebound the ball on the offensive class and maintain a level of rim deterrence. You know, he's not an amazing shot blocker, but he is a decent rim deterrer. Uh, you know, I, I, I think I see it as like, if he can do that, then you can have some semblance of two big lineups that work. Are, are you yeah. in agreement with that? Yes. That's their best bet out of, out of, you know, the four yeah. guys is getting because I, Stewart to transition to the four and it, and it working for him uh, in the transition offensively and, and, you know, him and Duran both coming along in their own right defensively to where the pairing can work. Stewart can play more out on the perimeter, you know, and, and Duran can do his thing down low and, and be more of a rim protector. Yeah, because I don't want people to think that we're like entirely poo-pooing the idea just straight up and saying there's no way it can work. Like, there are potential combinations that could maybe work out here. It's just going to come down to, like, really, what is Isaiah Stewart going to be able to do in terms of his growth as a perimeter player this year? I really think it just comes down to something as simple as that. Whereas with the Bagley-Wiseman stuff, I think we're probably in agreement. I, I just don't see really any way to make those guys work next to another big um, unless, of course, it's like a sweet shooting Isaiah Stewart. I think we are in agreement all the way through on this one, and I think that means we're good to go and move on to our next topic of the show today. And that's talking a little bit about an article that was released by Bleacher Report as they, they compiled a group of 20 voters to rank the top 30 guards for next season in the NBA. This was a prediction on who will, how they will rank out at the, by the end of next season, who will be the best by the end of next 
year. Kate Cunningham ranked 19th on that list. Ahead of him, some notable names are Tyrese Halliburton, Bradley Beal, and Drew True Holiday. What do you think about this ranking, Jasper? I'm not sure how much you were able to look at the rankings overall, but do you feel that this was kind of just right for Cade? Was it a little disrespectful towards him? Should he have been higher up on the list? Or did he maybe get a little bit too much love on the list and was ahead of some names that you were surprised to see? Yeah, I think it's a pretty fair assessment of where Cade is going to be at next year. Um, And you're totally right. There there are some guys that he's ahead of that I think, you know, would definitely have an argument to to be ahead of him. I'm talking about, you know, your LaMelo Ball, uh, DeJounte Murray, Zach Levine, uh, Tyrese Maxey, Fred Van Vliet. Like, those are all guys that have done quite well for themselves, Um, whereas Cade hasn't necessarily proven it so far. But then again, like you said, there's some guys ahead of him. And, and I don't actually have so much of an issue with, say, Jalen Brunson or, or even, you know, Drew Holiday being ahead of him. I look more at guys like, you know, James Harden and, uh, you know, somebody like him or, or even like Trey Young. I or, or even very possibly Bradley Beal. I see them perhaps slipping towards the end of the season, um, whereas maybe some guys behind him kind of creep up a little bit ahead of him and are still ahead of him in in terms of what they're able to produce on the floor. So I think it's about right. I I think he's probably going to land somewhere in that 15 to 20 range this year. And um, yeah, it's the rare, it's the rare rankings list where I don't necessarily have an issue where the piston is at on it. Like I I think the way that they put it together is kind of interesting. Like how do you look at somebody like, Jamal Murray versus Donovan Mitchell, whereas like Donovan Mitchell has outperformed uh, Jamal Murray in the regular season at every turn, whereas Jamal Murray has outperformed Donovan Mitchell in the playoffs, certainly the last two years. So I I think when you look at something like that, uh, I'm fine with where Cade's at. I think there are guys that he is ahead of that are maybe going to be better than him offensively. But on the other hand, I think Cade, what he can bring to the floor for the team defensively is much better than what Zach Levine can bring to the team or LaMelo Ball or Tyrese Maxey or even a Trey Young. So, you know, I, I think I'm I'm pretty much okay with where Cade is at on this list. Aaron, how do you feel about it? Yeah, as a very staunch believer in Cade Cunningham long-term, I, I don't necessarily have any qualms with this list. Um there's a few guys that you could say, hey, I'm a huge believer in Kate. I think he's going to be better than by the end of next year. You know, Bradley Beal's a name that that comes to mind for me, although he could end up flourishing in Phoenix and could remind everyone, hey, maybe I haven't been in the spotlight in Washington for the last few years, but remember how good I am. And, and maybe that that's not the case for Kate. Maybe he's not better than him. But I, I think there's a case that he could be higher on this list. Absolutely. At the same time, I don't necessarily think you could say to the group of people that voted on this that there's really any true merit that makes it, you know, a, a disservice or they were disrespectful towards Cunningham for having him where he's placed in this. If anything, I think for a guy that didn't play last year and for the first, you know, uh, 11, the only 11 games that he did play last year, didn't necessarily knock it out of the park. I, I, I really think that if anything, they were probably pretty fair, if not generous towards Kate. I mean, I would not have anticipated national writers and national talking 
talking heads do have him over LaMelo Ball on this list. And to be fair, LaMelo missed some more time, missed a legitimate amount of time last year. He did play about 25 more games, though, than Kate Cunningham. I mean, Tyrese Maxby, another name, especially if James Harden's gone, he's going to have a massive, massive, massive role in Philadelphia. And he is, you know, another one of those young guys in the league that is held in such a high regard. Desmond Bain, another name you could make a case for. I mean, you look at Desmond Bain's last two seasons and you see how good he's been. He's an elite shooter. He's one of the very best. I mean, he earned that. Max. Five five guy. I there's that. a yeah, there's a reason he got a max extension and deserved every penny of it. I, right. I think with him, like he's actually a guy that might be a little disrespected. Like, yeah, I know Tyrese Maxey's really good. Lamelo's really good, but like those guys are also terrible defensively and have you know some bad habits offensively. Whereas Desmond Bain, that dude just knocks it out of the park every game. So you know. I think they were pretty kind to Kate, honestly. He could have been anywhere between like 15 and 25, and I wouldn't have had an issue with it. Yeah, I I, I pretty much agree there. I, you know, I, And look, I think Cade, by the end of next year, again, as a major believer in him, I think he could be closer to, to top 10 than he is top 20. But he's got to go out there and prove it first, and he's got to have the season that people are anticipating he's capable of having. He's got to stay on the court. He's got to shoot the ball better. He's got to prove, hey, he can, you know, make it work with Jaden Ivey on the court and another big-time guard on the court. So, uh, again, I, I think this list was pretty fair to him. Uh, I think he can definitely end up in a better position by the end of next year. But kind of like Isaiah Livers has to prove it, Kate Cunningham has to prove it. And I don't really have <laughs> Maybe not like Isaiah Livers does. <laughs> well, staying on the court – for Isaiah Livers, also kind of staying on the court for Cade Cunningham. I mean, missed time in his rookie season, missed time in his second season, but fair enough, obviously fair two different players in terms of overall talent and potential. So maybe not the cleanest comparison, but the the right idea was there. The right intent was there. I, I get what you're saying. I, I'm picking up what you're laying down. Yeah, I, I'll say this. Like, this I have no problem with because, like you just said, like he has to prove it. He has to prove that he can stay on the court. Um, he has to prove that he is worthy of his pedigree. And while I think you and I are in total agreement that we have the faith that he will do both of those things, he's got to prove it. And if he's at this point where he's 19th next year, then maybe we can talk about, you know, disrespect or whatever else the, the case may be. But for this year, I, I just I think it's pretty fair. Like, you got to prove it. And for a guy that hasn't proven it as much as some guys that he's ahead of on the list. I mean, I, I think it's pretty fair ratings. I'll say this, moving off of Cade Cunningham here, I I was pretty shocked to see Jamal Murray and De'Aaron yeah. Fox ranked ahead of John Moran and Donovan Mitchell. How about uh, Anthony Edwards at six? Yeah. I mean, I, Edwards is, is in such a the limelight right now with, you know, his, his Team USA performances and whatnot, but – Wow, it just seems like, I mean, Donovan Mitchell was incredible last year. John Moran is obviously one of the best young players in the league as long as he can keep himself, uh, you know, keep the uh, attention of him towards his on-the-court play and not his off-the-court issues. But those two guys who are very, very legitimate stars in this league being ranked behind Murray and 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 Fox, who, again, I, there, there's nothing wrong with either of them. They're both very good. There's a lot of great young guards in this league. That one surprised me. Those were, those were a couple. And, and this list overall, I think, 
was pretty well done, especially because I think Bleacher Report puts out so much of this content, creates so much of this content that they, you know, it's so easy to pick on these lists and easy to pick on Bleacher Report. But I thought this was a pretty, pretty well put together list that had a, a you know, a good group, a, a good mix of different voters and stuff. But that being the consensus amongst them, that was a little surprising to me. I think both Mitchell and Morant, I probably have both of them ahead of both Murray and Fox. So if, if we're talking about discrepancies in the list, I think that's where I would lean more so than Kate Cunningham and anyone and in being any higher on the list. I mean, shoot, man, I'd probably have Murray at, I'm not Murray, uh, uh, John Morant at like five. Uh, honestly, I, I love Anthony Edwards, but like, and I get why they put him at 10 because of the off court stuff and, you know, a little slip in efficiency, whatever it may be. But like, I don't know, man, it's, it's hard for me not to look at John Morant as still having, you know, proven himself. The guy was a, a top three MVP finalist just two years ago. Um, and especially with, you know, Dame is going to be what, 33 this year. So that, that's harder for me to see him being better than than jaw especially like jamal and jaron fox love those guys absolutely love what they can do but i mean is i i just i can't see the grizzlies trading john morant for either of those guys you know what i mean like even if you attached a pick to it i don't think you <laughs> the grizzlies would trade him for those guys so 100 100 this was a rather quick episode of the podcast, Jasper. As we begin to wrap up, I want to put some perspective out there. We're recording on a, a August 30th. This will, you know, come out either, uh, you know, right at the beginning of September, right at the end of August, whatever. We're a month out from the start of training camp. October 2nd uh, is when players are allowed to report. Training camp opens officially on the 3rd. And then the first preseason game of the year for Detroit is October 8th against the Phoenix Suns. So this offseason, we've got about another month to go. It's probably going to be rather boring of a month in terms of Pistons news, content, things like that. But we're only a month away from the the fun beginning. Not to put you on the spot, but is there anything that you're really looking forward to uh, you know, that you can't wait for, for, for next season to, to begin for. Yeah, man. I mean, there's so many things I can't wait for. I, I can't wait to see Asar Thompson on the floor. I, I just can't wait to see what he can do at the NBA level. Like, Summer League was obviously eye-opening, but it's Summer League. And as much as you want to buy into everything he did, like, you, you need to see it against NBA players. Um, I'm super excited to see what Jaden Ivey and Kate Cunningham can do on the floor together. Like, we didn't get to see any. I, I just don't count those 12 games that KD had played. Like, we did not get to see those two guys really play together at their best. Um, so, yeah, that, I think for me, those are the two things I'm most excited for. That and, uh, and Jalen Duran's growth. Like, I, he could be anything between, like, the fifth best center in the a NBA and the 15th best center in the NBA. And I just can't wait to see, like, what what he is able to reach like how high can he go uh is he going to be that elite guy or is he maybe just going to be a step below that and i think this season is going to go a long way in showing what the future holds for him as well so yeah lots of things i'm excited for anything for you yeah i think for me the biggest thing is kate cunningham's return to play i think that's what the national uh people want to see that's what i want to see that's your guy that's your franchise pillar 
I'm excited to see what that looks like for him uh, and, and what it means for the Pistons. I mean, his his ability and his his potential is the ultimate uh, key to unlocking any sort of relevancy for the Pistons moving forward. So the return of Kate Cunningham and the improvement of Kate Cunningham is at the top of my list. Oh, Aaron, you know what? I actually forgot. Really, this is probably what I'm most I, – I mean, there's a million things I'm excited for, but I will throw one thing out. And it's, I am interested to see what the return on the biggest investment the Pistons made this offseason will be. Monty Williams. I, I can't wait to see. I mean, we have been complaining about Dwayne Casey and his offense and his defense and his lineups um, for, what, three years now, four years? And I think being able to see what Monty Williams will bring to this team and how he's going to change up things in terms of the culture in terms of the lineups, in terms of the playing style. For me, I'm really excited to see that. Like, how different are the Pistons going to look on the floor this year? Not just because of the players they have, but because of the man that they have leading them. That's another very good one. And one that I think is maybe getting under-talked about. I feel like the Monty Williams hiring came and went, and we really haven't spent a whole lot of talking uh, time talking about it too much, but I guess at this point it's better to just wait and see what that that the presence of Monty Williams really looks like before we talk about it all too much more. Well, Jasper, if that's all you got, that's all I got for this week's show. Anything else you wanted to add before we wrap this up? Oh well, you know I have about fifteen minutes of written Doc Rivers material, but I'll leave it for another podcast. Maybe save that one. He's gonna be. Uh, he's gonna be. A, one of the on one of the lead broadcasters here for NBA coverage. So everyone, I, I I told Mike I'm excited for it. Like I love Doc on commentary. I think he's one of the best. At least he was. Oh my God! Now I'm thinking about. Oh, he was during the Pistons championship run in 2004, which was 20 years ago this season. Okay, I'm old. Crap. <laughs> love, love to end the podcast on an existential crisis, huh? Well, here, let's let's wrap it up with this. Let's talk about following us on all of our socials and on the website. Uh, we appreciate everyone listening. We have some exciting things in store for the upcoming season. In the meantime, make sure to check out palaceofpistons.com. Follow us on all of our socials at Palace of Pistons. You can follow myself on Twitter at A Johnson NBA, or I guess follow me on X. At a Johnson NBA. No, it's it's still Twitter. It's still Twitter to me, damn it. And you can follow Jasper at Blade Cunningham. That is going to do it for this week's show. We will be back next week for another one. Thank you guys so much for listening, for watching, for supporting. We will see you guys next week on another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, brought to you by Believe. And special thanks to our sponsor, Bet Online. See you guys next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.